0: Turning your bibles to Proverbs chapter 1, we need wisdom desperately, and Proverbs is a book all about wisdom. But if you understand what Colossians says about Jesus in the New Testament, Colossians 1, Paul writes that in Christ are hidden all of the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So Proverbs is really all about getting to know Jesus better. Our theme for the series is A Time for Wisdom. Last week we considered uh, six adjectives, six descriptions of a wise heart. And we used the word wisdom, W-I-S-D-O-M, as an acronym to remind us of those Six elements of wisdom. We talked about a worshiping heart, an insightful heart, a skillful heart, a discerning heart, an observant heart, and a meek heart. But not only does Proverbs 1 give us the elements or descriptions of wisdom, Proverbs 1 also reveals the posture of of our hearts, the various postures of the human heart in its response to wisdom. There are three negative responses, or really in some ways, two neutral, one negative, and one positive. And these responses to wisdom are absolutely critical, number one, to us avoiding disaster, And number two, they're critical for us to experience the good and acceptable and pleasing will of God. About 33 years ago, God called Laurie and myself to start Oak Mountain Presbyterian Church. About several months after we started the church, something on the news caught my ear, caught my eye. It was a flight from Denver to Chicago. Now, we had just moved from Chicago, so at the time, we were still pretty much tuned in to things happening in Chicago. And you remember those big jumbo jets, the DC 10s? Uh, they were known for like the three engines on the back to the two regular engines you see a lot of planes have, but then this big engine right in the middle. Well, that big engine blew apart midair at 37,000 feet with 300 people on board. And all the hydraulics to the tail section of the plane were lost. How do you fly a plane? How do you land a plane? How do you turn a plane? How do you go up and down without all of those tail functions In place. Well, miraculously, the pilot landed the plane. There still was about 112 uh, souls lost, but, but 188 were saved. It was amazing. Well, as they investigated the crash, they discovered that there was an impurity in the titanium that was used in the fan of that rear central engine. A nitrogen bubble that was supposed to have dissolved hadn't. And it created a weakness in the metal that went undetected for 18 years while that plane flew. It went undetected for over 15,000 takeoffs and landings. But that impurity over time was enough to cause a disaster. When it comes to our hearts, almost imperceptible flaws can lead to disaster in our lives. And so, God in this passage reveals to us the kind of blemishes and flaws in the human heart that can lead to disaster in life. But he also wants us to be able to detect those flaws and imperfections and sin and brokenness, and he calls us to grow in wisdom. Our parts can be exchanged for Jesus parts and we can grow in wisdom. So this morning our particular focus is a time for wisdom in our self-awareness. It takes self-awareness revealed by the grace of God through the Holy Spirit to enable us to see how we can grow in wisdom. Let's all stand out of reverence for God's Word as I read Proverbs chapter 1, verses 1 through 7. This is God's Word. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence... To the simple, there's one posture of the heart right there. Knowledge and discretion to the youth, there's a second posture of the heart. Let the wise, there's the third, hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands, the wise again, obtain guidance. To understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools, there's your fourth posture, Fools despise wisdom and instruction. May God bless the hearing and teaching of His inspired, infallible, inerrant, and authoritative Word. This is God's Word. He gave it to us because He loves us. He wants us to avoid disaster, and He wants us to experience His good and acceptable and perfect will. Let's pray. Father, would you please open our eyes? Would you do a diagnostic on our system, our hearts, our minds? And would you lead us in the paths of wisdom for your glory and honor, our good and the good of this world? We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Go ahead and take a seat. So, four basic postures of the heart toward wisdom. Now, most of us have certain areas of our lives where we express different postures. We may be youthful in one area, simple in another area, a fool in another area, and we may actually be wise in even a different area. So ask God to expose your heart this morning so that you and I can grow in wisdom. First of all, take the time to recognize how your heart is youthful. Now, of all the postures of the heart, in some ways, this posture is the most Innocent. This person isn't stubborn. This person isn't rebellious. And this youthful heart is not even necessarily between the ages of of 13 and 19. No, the youthful heart is someone who is filled with inexperience in a certain arena of life. They're simply naive, they're immature. And they need to grow in their experience. The youthful heart isn't a bad heart. It's just a heart that doesn't know that it doesn't know. A youthful heart is a heart that doesn't know that it doesn't know. And it needs to be mentored in the church, in the scriptures, by people who are able to disciple others. The problem with the youthful heart is that it can leap before it looks, and that can create great danger. The youthful heart is willing to hear God. He or she just isn't experienced at it in a particular area of life. Remember the little boy Samuel? Uh, Hannah was barren. And she prayed for a child. God opened her womb, and Hannah had promised God that if he opened her womb, she would dedicate her son to the ministry. And so Hannah became pregnant. She gave birth to Samuel. The priest and prophet Eli was in charge uh, of the religious um, sanctuary at that time, and as a result... uh, Samuel was put into service. Now, one night, Samuel heard his name being called, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel, not knowing what was going on, ran to Eli. Eli, the priest, didn't know what was going on. He said, Samuel, go back to sleep. Then Samuel went back to sleep and heard again the voice, Samuel, Samuel. And he ran to Eli. And Eli still doesn't know what's going on. He said, I don't know what you're hearing. Go back to sleep. It wasn't me. The third time, Samuel, Samuel. And finally, Eli sort of wakes up and says, oh, that's the Lord. Sam, you have never heard it before. But when it happens again, just say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. That's what it means to have a youthful heart, to be inexperienced at hearing God in certain arenas of life. And you can be nine years old and you can be 90 years old. And you can still possess a youthful, naive, inexperienced heart. For instance, I've met many, many people who are very successful business-wise in their vocation. And yet, when it comes to areas of life like family or finances, they have the heart of a youth. It's like they've never read what God's Word says about finances or family or marriage. And their personal lives are a wreck. It might be one area that seems like an almost imperceptible flaw, but it can cause disaster. I remember when I was 16, I had just gotten my license, and uh, we always used to hang out at uh, the pool, the local pool, during summer. And our pool was uniquely situated. There's this really steep, long hill, and then it leveled out right in front of the pool. And then it teed into a dead end into another road. And so there was cars uh, at a three-way stop. Or there was, if you really failed to stop, there was a yard that you would go up and careen into a house. Well, I was inexperienced, I was naive, I was immature, I was raw when it came to driving a car and understanding the physics of a car. I understood physics from school, I understood velocity, I understood speed and weight and stoppage times but not in reality when it came to the practical affair of driving a car. Well, I thought I would be cool one day. There was my first problem, right? And I get going down this hill. Now, you need to realize we had a land yacht. We, we had a Buick station wagon. It had to weigh like five tons, and it had a 454 engine, which which is a really big engine. We don't need anywhere near that much, especially in a station wagon. And so I'm gunning this thing down the hill. I'm picking up speed. I'm picking up speed. Now i got the momentum of the hill. And I don't know how fast I'm going, but I bet I'm going 70 in about a 25-mile-an-hour zone. And I honk on the horn, and all my friends are and all of a sudden I look in front of me and that stop sign's coming really fast and I push on the brakes and I realize this isn't going to cut it now this is before um anti-lock brakes so I slammed on the brakes and what they do they locked they locked and I must have skidded for probably 150 feet I was skidding so much, there was smoke everywhere, and the wind was blowing it. There's this huge screech. It looked like a military battle had took place right outside the swimming pool. And I stopped in the middle of the T road. I thought for sure I was going up that guy's bank and into his front porch. My point is I was so naive. I was so inexperienced. I was biblically a youth in my heart. I actually was in my years, too. But my point is, you don't have to be a teenager to wrestle with a youth-like heart. So in what areas of life that you face right now are you naive, inexperienced, immature, And you don't know that you don't know. Now, that one's tricky. How does a youthful heart know that they don't know? I mean, that's the whole definition of naive. We need other people in our lives. How closely do you allow other people to monitor your heart? Are you in friendships where you diagnose one another's posture toward wisdom. The youthful heart needs mentoring. The youthful heart needs experience. Now, I gained experience that day on the hill, but I also could have lost my life or harmed others, and it doesn't need to be that way. We can grow in wisdom. Take time to recognize how your heart is youthful. Secondly, take time to recognize how your heart is simple. Now, uh, a simpleton, biblically, is more culpable than someone who just has a youthful heart. A simpleton is clueless, but they're clueless because they're simply lazy-minded they don't want to take the effort it requires to grow in wisdom. If, if you'll stick with me through Proverbs, and by the way, I'll be here this coming Sunday, Labor Day weekend. I'll be here. Come and join me. We're going to continue Proverbs. Don't let me feel alone. Please come. But as we continue through Proverbs, you're going to realize just how energetically and diligent. We are to be to pursue wisdom. It's like mining for diamonds, mining for precious gems. It takes great, great effort to seek wisdom. And the simpleton just thinks it's too much work. The simpleton would rather intuit their way through life and just say, that's the way I'm wired. The simpleton would rather just feel their way through lives. They would like to live by the seat of their pants. They would like to be spontaneous. They would be fire, ready, aim. And that can cause disaster. As a result, the simpleton is easily misled. The simpleton is known by one word. If the youth is known by the word naïve, The simpleton is known by the word gullible. Because they just don't want to put forth the effort to think, they just allow themselves to be led by every opinion that's out there. Whatever sounds best at that particular moment. The simpleton simply reacts instead of slowing down, pausing, praying, reading God's Word, and responding. The simpletons' problem is that they're too easily swayed or misled. Proverbs 22, verse 3, The prudent sees danger and hides himself. The simple just go on and suffer for it. The, the simpleton has very little capacity by their own choice to look ahead and consider intended and unintended consequences. And it's nobody's fault, but their own. So when we are acting out of a simple heart, God is calling us to pursue Christ with greater passion. Pursue His Word. Pursue counsel, to put forth the effort necessary to mine for wisdom. The simple just doesn't think things through. They're easily persuaded. Let me give you another story from Bob Flayhart's book of Driving Stupidity. Uh, I had a a friend uh, who, actually my dad had a friend uh, who owned a major construction, road construction company in State College. And, uh, and that's why I put myself through school. I worked every summer from the time I was 14 to the time I was 23, and uh, it was miserable, hard labor. But it got me through, taught me all kinds of things. I gained experience and wisdom working those jobs. Well, my car was in the shop, and he graciously lent me a car, for the weekend. It was a Jeep CJ5. If you lived in my era, that was a cool car. You could take off the the, the roof. You could take off all the sides. They, I think they still make them, but it's probably a CJ12 by now. But but this was one of the first CJ's that they made. And so I get together with my friends. Of course, we live in a college town, grew up in a college town. You know, so what a, what a, what a teenage guys want to do? They want to go downtown and cruise. But you've you got a CJ-5. You can't just cruise with a clean Jeep. Now, you need to realize that, that growing up in Pennsylvania, it was just like I grew up in Alabama. Okay? Pennsylvania is Pittsburgh and Philadelphia with Alabama everywhere else. There is just as many pickup trucks in Pennsylvania as there are in Alabama. There's just as many hunters in Pennsylvania as there are in Alabama. As a matter of fact, we get off the first two days of deer season. Schools shut down. Businesses shut down. The whole world shuts down. And Pennsylvanians are every bit as into mudding and four-wheeling as Alabamians are. And you can't cruise Penn State's campus without having mud all over your Jeep. Oh, yeah, that's right. It wasn't mine. So these friends, I mean, again, I'm simple. I'm easily persuaded. I'm not thinking things through, intended and unintended consequences. Let's go four-wheeling. Yeah, we're in a Jeep. Why does he have a Jeep anyway? He'll probably thank us for four-wheeling. So we go through the woods, and we get stuck in this mud pit. And I mean, not just stuck like, you know, I'm talking about the wheels are covered. I'm talking about the floorboards are covered. The engine is a mess. And I got to get a hold of my dad somehow. This is before cell phones. And I got to tell him what happened. What were you thinking? I wasn't. I got to call this construction company owner and tell him that I wrecked his Jeep, basically. What were you thinking? I wasn't. Now, the good news for the simpleton is they can grow. They simply need to choose to engage with God and God's people and mentors. Where are you living as a simpleton right now? You're facing decisions. They may seem small. They may seem huge. but you're basically putting your brain and your heart on the shelf. And you're just wanting to take the path of least resistance. Those are the pathways to disaster. And it doesn't need to be that way. Take time to recognize how your heart is youthful, how your heart is simple. Then thirdly, take time to recognize how your heart is foolish. Now, this is the most culpable, most stubborn, most rebellious of all the hearts that we're looking at today. Look at verse 7. Again, all of these words, all of these hearts are in the passage. The the simple, the youth. Now, verse 7, the fool. The fool's a know-it-all. The fool thinks that everyone else is an idiot but they alone have it together. The foolish heart is a heart that is blinded by arrogance. They love their own opinion and perspective so much, they're not interested in hearing about what others think. It's not that they cannot learn, it's that they will not learn. As a matter of fact, If others try to instruct them, they get defensive and they get angry. They'll only notice what supports their own opinions and are not open-minded. If the simpleton is gullible and the youth is teachable, the fool is absolutely unteachable. The youth still possesses humility. The fool has lost all humility when it comes to living life. The fool has forgotten that they too are broken, that they too are fallen. The fool has forgotten or chosen not to remember that every area of their human faculties, is tainted by sin. There was a woman named Jan Davis. Uh, she was sixty. She lived a long and fruitful life, but she was a base jumper. Uh, I used the acronym last week for wisdom: W I S D O M. Base is an acronym as well. It stands for buildings, antenna spans and earth. B-A-S-E. Buildings, you jump off of buildings. This is without a net. All you have is a parachute. Uh, Antenna, radio towers. Spans, bridges. Earth, cliffs. Well, Jan Davis wanted to jump off of El Capitan in Yosemite National Park. It's about 3,200 feet down. Now, the reason why she wanted to do this is because Yosemite had just outlawed it. Makes sense, doesn't it? They outlawed it because it's dangerous. They outlawed it because people had died base jumping off El Capitan. People had been seriously injured. And so to protest and to prove that base jumping was safe, Jan Davis and four other climbers climbed to the top, and jumped off. The first three were fine. One was her husband. Her husband was then filming Jan. She jumped off. Her chute never opened. And she was crushed on the rocks below. That is the heart of a fool. Not trusting anybody's opinions but your own. Believing that you got it right and everybody else is wrong. Now, your foolishness and my foolishness may not lead to that kind of disaster and tragedy. But what areas of life right now are you facing where if you stop and think about it, your attitude is don't confuse me with the facts. I've already got my mind made up. What areas of life are you facing right now where you're just convinced that your own opinion and perspective is the correct one, and you're not even open to instruction or to other opinions? God calls that the heart of a fool. Where are you most opinionated right now? In what areas of life do you hold the hottest and strongest opinions right now? Where are you least open to other perspectives right now? You could be right, you could be wrong. And the wise live in humility. And that leads to our fourth posture of the heart, which is the wise heart. Take time to recognize how your heart is wise and continue to grow. Look at verse 5. Let the wise hear and increase in learning. The, the key factor to the wise person, the person growing in wisdom, is not intelligence, I'm going to say this the entire series. Wisdom has little to do with intelligence. It has everything to do with humility of heart. The wise person is the one who's growing continually and more deeply in humility the one who's considering other perspectives, the one who recognizes that their thought processes and every part about their being is fallen, and what they desperately need is grace. What they desperately need is the God of all wisdom, Jesus Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, we desperately need to learn from him. John Wesley, you all know John Wesley, one of the great evangelists and ministers of uh, of the last 500 years. Easily, John Wesley wrote this toward the end of his life. When I was young, I was sure of everything. Sound familiar? In a few years, having been mistaken over a thousand times, I was not half so sure. Of the things that I was before. And then he says, At present, I am hardly sure of anything except what God has clearly revealed to me in his word. See, the more mature John Wesley became, the more unsure he became. I actually think a lot of Christians think that the more mature you get, the more sure you become. Not the case. Not the case at all. Look at verse 7. The wise are those who live in the fear of the Lord. What does the fear of the Lord mean? It, we covered this last week, right? It doesn't mean terrified. It means that you have a humble trust and respect for the word, character, and person of God. The wise person is Easily led by God, but not easily misled by people. The wise person is not gullible, but he or she is very teachable. Look at verse 1. The Proverbs of Solomon. What was Solomon known for? His wisdom. The son of David, king of Israel. But Proverbs isn't really about Solomon. Proverbs is about the son of David, the king of Israel, Jesus Christ. I'll close with this ancient proverb. I think most of you have heard it. It says, he who thinks he knows and doesn't is a fool. Shun him. He who doesn't know and knows that he doesn't know is a student. Teach him. He who knows and doesn't know that he knows is asleep. Wake him. But he who knows and knows that he knows is wise. Follow him. Oh, by the way, there's nobody in this room or in this world who knows and knows that he knows. There's only ever been one, and his name is Jesus. He's the only one who knows and the only one who knows that he knows. And only as we are properly and intimately related to Him do we experience growth in wisdom. If you're here this morning and you've never put your hope and trust in Jesus Christ, the wisest thing you can do today is transfer your trust from yourself to Jesus and the promises of grace. And if you do know Jesus Christ, the way you grow in wisdom is by constantly, in a very healthy way, recognizing that we don't know anything. And we're most dangerous when we think we do know something. We need to become people who know that we don't know. But know that we know we can run to Jesus. Let's pray. God, we thank you for Proverbs. We thank you for the wisdom that is contained. But God, don't let us be fooled and don't let us be foolish. The wisdom's not really in a bunch of rational concepts or precepts. The wisdom is in Christ. And so, God, give us a hunger to know him and to make him known. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand and hear the benediction, which is not only the promise of God's grace upon you, it's also as you leave and as you seek Christ, the promise of growth in wisdom. Receive it. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God, our Abba Father, and the fellowship, transforming power, and wisdom of the Holy Spirit be with you now and always.